I wish to acknowledge the Awabakal peoples, the traditional custodians of the land on which we both stand today. We pay our respects to their elders past and present, and we extend that respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. to the second episode of the powerhouse podcast and i know it's been a little while between first and second episode but uh in true shay fashion of course i started the podcast with so much to say um at probably one of the busiest times of my year so since you've last heard from me um i've packed up my house in perth put everything into storage i've been traveling for the past five weeks um for my day job for work um right now i'm in newcastle with 35 kilos of luggage behind me uh, including my podcast recording kit has made it all the way across the country so, um, firstly, my apologies for such a gap between first and second episode. I really want to try and make sure I get on a bit of a roll now because there is so much happening to be spoken about. Um, I'm super excited to be here today recording with a really long um, term and good friend of mine, Emily. So, Emily, welcome to Powerhouse the Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So the reason behind um, Emily jumping on the podcast with me today is we talk generally every other day in bits and pieces and just have such um, a unique but also shared vision around what is happening in our world, the pieces of news that we pick up, the things that we speak about around um, injustices in the world, things that we think should be done better in our political system. We've got a very similar vibe around um friendships, the people we have around us, who we surround ourselves with, how we choose to live our lives. So there is so much that Em and I have in common. And I think it's really important that um, this podcast will continue to have a cross section um, of amazing females and people that I would really consider to be a true powerhouse. That's something that's really important to me. Um, So Emily, I just want to start off today in our conversation around the powerhouse woman and what that means to you. Well, when you sent through um, just the topics that we'd be covering today, and this was one of them, I thought so much about it. And I thought there wasn't a way to probably be most altruistic and answer this question and not glorify like burnout in some way because when I think of a powerhouse I think of a real go-getter somebody who um, you know is running an empire and doing 10 things at once and just super aspirational but really I think since becoming a mum I take my hat off more to everyday people that are just getting through in spite of adversity and I think that's probably the best way to make it relative because it means no matter what you've got on your plate you'll just get up and keep on keeping on and that's probably coupled with like a positive outlook on life somebody who in spite of that adversity can just say I'm grateful for what I've got I woke up today 
let's go, let's get on with it. So, I, yeah, for me, that's it probably sounds disingenuous that I had to think about it so much and I scrapped my <laughs> initial response. But truly, I, yeah, I just think if, if I went with the, um, the former, it would just be too much about like, yeah, go burn yourself yep. out, build that yep. empire. Fire. And I'm just, yep. I've been there, done that. And it's not for you. Yeah, no, yeah. I'll go the latter. Um, I love that you say that because. You can be a powerhouse at different stages of your life. So you can be really like going hard around that empire, you know, businesswoman, savvy, sassy person. But then you can also be a powerhouse in your everyday life. So it is about the actions that you take every day. Like you said, when you get up out of bed, for me, being a powerhouse, what it means to me is that I've got control over my mental health and I am doing the things every day that get me to a place where I'm in a good place. So it's good habits, being organized, going for my walk every morning. That sets me up to for a powerhouse kind of day. Yeah. Like filling your own cup first. Yeah. Give to other people. So yeah, absolutely. And probably like interlacing that with like, it's a very natural segue into what we'll talk about today, but that's ultimately like having a humanitarian mindset that like we can't just walk out into the world and exist for ourselves so yeah yeah i think that's why i value people that are just yeah everyday laymen and women just doing the hard yards propping up everyone else like yeah takes a village so yeah powerhouse men and women yeah well that that's so right as well i hope moving forward i'll be able to have um, not only powerhouse women on the podcast, but men as well. Um, next episode or next couple of episodes, um, I hope to bring to you some um, a couple of people who work in the healthcare sector and were really on the front line during the last two years of COVID as well. So that's an amazing perspective around someone that we would call absolutely powerhouse as well between you and I, I think. So thank you so much for sharing um, those thoughts with me. I, I love everything that you say. Um So what we want to do is just touch on a few things that have happened this week in the hot topics of the news cycle. So one thing um, that's really come through really quickly this morning um, that I was so shocked and surprised with was they have today just announced that they have charged someone with the abduction of Madeleine McCann in Portugal, I think around 15 years ago. Um, and something that really shocked and surprised me was that this person that they've arrested was actually already arrested for a murder of an older woman there only two years before um, Madeline McCann had been abducted. So I think from a perspective of those parents who have been through so much at the forefront of being accused of the abduction and potential murder of their daughter, etc., I just can't believe that all these years later we potentially have some kind of resolution. Yeah. Well, I mean, the um, sceptic in me casts my mind immediately to the fact that they have arrested other people over time Mm. for this abduction. I just hope that it's, it's, you know, of course, evidence-based and that that it's um, going to get across the line into an actual conviction and bring those parents and that family and support networks and peace after a very long-winded battle i can't even imagine what that would feel like having a little girl myself being very long-winded for them it's a really long road isn't it and there are really similar stories that we know of here in australia where people 
or young children who go missing and there's just never a resolution. So the rest and comfort that families would seek is just never resolved or provided. So to see potentially a family in a worldwide global case receive that, I feel like is perhaps a bit of a good feel story for today. The second one for me this week would definitely have been the leaders debate on Wednesday evening between our two major political parties here in Australia, Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese. So Emily and I were out to dinner on Wednesday night and I like jokingly but seriously said, do you reckon we could have the debate on the um, phone at the end of the dinner table? Because um, I'd like to see what comes out of it. But do you know what? I don't think we really missed very much. No, it seemed um, mild. I thought upon looking back at the highlight reel, uh, one question from someone in the audience that stood out to me was the by the polls uh, all Australians are very disenchanted with both major political parties extremely disenchanted hear hear that's me (laughs) and I think it mostly boils down to a lack of trust and faith in what they're saying and this cat calling um, you know he said she said tearing one another down rather than actually getting to the real issues and being solution based so that was it was I found it quite boring to watch back but yeah Mm. when that one person in the audience said how do you respond to that they really didn't again come up with any kind of solid solutions they didn't um, empower the audience and give us any faith that the tides would turn so again it it just makes me cranky that we're still talking and acting in this two-party preferred it's an only a two-horse race kind of rhetoric it's just total Mm. bullshit like absolutely we need to look to the independents and Mm. the other parties that because they've got some good stuff to say and Mm. they don't have a blip of the budget behind them to um to be doing this kind of campaign trail and absorbing the news cycle. They're just in the communities doing the work. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, everything yeah. that we speak about today is obviously of our own personal yeah. opinions. Yeah. So um, by all means, what we really encourage you to do, I know for myself, I spent some time this week, I've got, a, I'm voting in a new electorate this year. I've made it a point of voting in the electorate where I will be newly living as well. So I will be able to put a vote behind someone that will take That's us forward. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Um, so I had to have a look this week around who it is that would be standing up in my electorate. Um, and I know we were speaking just this morning about the vote compass and how that can really help you get in an idea of what you believe in and who will really be shaping Australia in the ways that you share your views. Absolutely, yeah. That's a, an amazing resource that I came across earlier this week. It's votecompass.abc.net.au and essentially it's a question-answer resource where um, the questions are shaped around the top legislative action that is at the forefront in politics right now. And that we'd like to be at the forefront of politics right now. we'd like to be at the forefront, so it pretty much covers everything. I think there's about 36 questions and essentially it's like, do you agree with this and by the end combining both how uh, the candidates and the MPs have previously voted and your belief systems and values, it's going to tell you which party you align with most. So if, um, like me, a few years ago you had no interest in politics and had no idea who you most align with. I think a big message I'm seeing a lot at the moment is 
just around the fact that every vote counts. Um, and I know mm-hmm. for myself, I've grown up embraced in the news cycle. My parents are really big on in educating themselves in the news as I was growing up. But I know not everyone may um, have taken a big interest in the news as we do. We choose to be, you know, spend our um, time getting involved in the news. But like each to your own, a lot of people find it very overwhelming. There's a lot of bullshit out there. Um, I don't disagree. Like, yeah, good on yeah. you if you remove yourself from the TV Absolutely. and the news cycle because, like, think like sometimes you definitely do need that but if you're just not sure of what's happening in your local area from the debate on Wednesday night we can see that there's not a lot of good policy coming to the forefront at the moment um whilst Anthony Albanese is now being diagnosed with COVID so we can't be on the campaign trail for the next seven days I really hope that as we move forward towards May 21 um that we start to see some genuine policy and um promises for the way forward as a country as to how the leaders of the country will really take us forward I think that's so important I'm very sick of just going around in circles um no real action being taken on key pieces of legislation that really need to be worked on so i can fully appreciate that the path of least resistance is often the easier path to take especially in the context of oh my parents have always voted for this party and i can't be asked having the difficult discussion with them if i'm asked point blank who i voted for and it's in opposition to them um you know it's easier to sometimes just let the current take you but Anybody with any say on the matter is saying that this election is the most poignant, perhaps even in history, because Mm. we've come out of this three-year sinkhole that is the pandemic, Mm. and it's given everybody a lot of time to pause for thought and think about how we want to reshape the world and how we want to rebuild And if the people who are most powerful and poignant in our country don't actually represent our needs or the minority groups we care about or have a humanitarian focus. Or care about what is best for them. Yeah. AKA giving. reflective of them and those closest to them. Absolutely. That's what I find some of the most difficult actions of our current political leader in, in watching is that he takes action around what best serves him and his political party. We want to see women rise. But we don't want to see women rise um, only on the basis of others doing worse. My question is to the Prime Minister. Women from the Yass Valley are currently forced to travel an hour to Canberra or Goulburn to give birth. As a result, a number of women have been forced to give birth on the side of the Barton Highway. Does the Prime Minister agree that that is unacceptable? Well, I'm pleased to let the member know that's why we've committed $150 million to upgrade the Barton Highway. Oh, isn't it? I reckon I could listen to that like five times over and just cack myself every single time. You just that don't that's know whether he's joking. His like, honestly, like I said before, reckon I'm on candid camera half the time, and when I'm watching him say these things him because being I Scott laugh. Morrison. Yeah. Like, I want to introduce quotas into the Parliament of Australia because that would mean putting women at the forefront That's... Um, at the detriment of others. Like, so help us God yeah. should that happen. Like, oh, the poor men. If a woman gets given a chance in Parliament, just because it's a quota 50-50. Oh like, God. oh my God. But honestly... Women are giving birth on the side of the Barton Highway because there's not enough health infrastructure in the town that they live in. Um, I'm really pleased to confirm that we're doing a $150 million upgrade of the highway. (laughs) 
but we won't give um, healthcare workers a pay rise. <laughs> Isn't that okay, fucked that that's I'm, what he said? I'm fixing the robot and keeping men in jobs. I mean, giving funding to direct liberal electorates in the flood zones of New South Wales and Queensland and then deliberately, deliberately in inverted commas, allegedly excluding, excluding yeah, those who are a, a Labor electorate. Like, yeah. it is unbelievable. If I was living in those areas, like, it's just like, where's the humanitarian side? Like, where is the true leader of our country serving all of its people? Um, not just through their best interests. Like, I can also appreciate when Scott Morrison copped flack for being in Hawaii during the Black Summer fires of 2019, and then again most recently in the first lot of floods in Lismore, that it took him nine days to show up and front up, that there's commentary like, oh, what's he meant to do? You know, he... he like, didn't he say in response to the fires, I don't, I don't hold the hose, mate. But it's about leadership and you're in that role. You are the, the most poignant person in the country in times of crisis because you are going to naturally be who people turn to. Like, if for no other reason, then why are you there? If we don't need a head and a face to look to mm. and a singular person, why do we have a prime minister? Yeah. If they are, if it's a house of cards and it's really just more about mm. the party and each, um, like, being kind of, I guess, sected up into who's responsible for crises, that is really why he exists. We want to see that face on the ground just giving people hope and because hope is stronger than fear and you can only imagine that if you had endured nine days mothers and babies still sitting on roofs abandoned in mull and bimby like absolutely gridlocked by landslides that had no way of connecting with the outside community that you would be pleased to see any face but certainly on reflection if you were looking back at the news and media you would want to know that the ADF was deployed ASAP. The emergency services were there on the ground straight away. This, for me, whilst it feels like we're rehashing something that happened uh, quite a few weeks ago now, it actually is just so important that we do not forget the things that we as a country have been through in the last three years when we come to decide who is going to lead our country for the next three years because there are times when it just feels like um, it's very much an I space. I think Scott Morrison this week even used the words I to represent himself and his party rather than we. There is no I in team. It is the most basic leadership principle you could ever think of. Bring it down to a very small business. If something goes wrong, who's the one that stands up? It has to be the leader. So as when you're the leader of the country, you have to represent what, it, what you know the majority of people. Um, there are just a lot of divisive things that I think are coming out. Not saying that anyone else is going to leave this country won't make mistakes because none of us are perfect, but I think it's just really important to just sit back and go through and remember the things that we have been through. Yeah. And does these do these people who are currently in power represent how you feel we as a country should yeah. move forward? Yeah. Um, so there'll be more to come, I think, on our political agenda in Australia over the next couple of weeks because obviously it's something I'm very passionate about. Powerhouse, the podcast, is about raising topics that we think about but perhaps don't necessarily really ingrain and involve ourselves in. And all I really hope is that I just help you start a conversation with the person next to you. That's truly how um, Emily and I have come together in just wanting to just have a chat about things that we find really frustrating. Yeah. Emily, I know one of the 
one of the biggest things that I have to learn from you and I'm constantly learning about and you really helped me with this is climate change or the lack of change in Australia. (laughs) The complete inaction of our country. (laughs) So I know um, a bit about it. I try to learn as much as I can, but it's just not something that I am an expert in or know enough about. I I definitely know that where we're at as as a country. So pieces we're talking about this morning was the IPCC report and it was the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So tell me a bit more about that and how you see Australia's place um, in that. Um, well, dead last <laughs> is, <laughs> is statistically where we're sitting. There was a Paris um, climate summit that uh, happened recently. And out of the 63 OEPC countries, we were voted last, not because of our poor commitment to climate change action, because we simply don't have one so everybody in attendance on that day I think over 200 countries left with a commitment to based on the outcomes of the IPCC report which said that we can no longer reverse the effects of climate change it's um you know like kind of gone too far the the horses left the barracks and all we can do is slow it down or bring it to a halt by 2030. So that kind of bookends like where we need to phase out coal completely in the fossil fuel industries. 2030. Well, we've been told for decades that we need to do something and we've done nothing and here we are. So so basically um, IPCC have said that we need firm affirmative action by 2030. We not only left without having made a commitment or an action plan towards climate change, we have only loosely spoken about 2050 which is basically like see in hell like jesus take the wheel like it's just totally redundant to even be talking or forecasting as far as 2050 because without sounding dire it's it's far far too late so let me put this to you then because this is the basic level at which i'm currently operating Later in the year, I'm looking at getting a new car, and I was like, I'm going to get an electric vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Economically, that sounds like the best way to go for me. I think it's the future. Um, Currently, in the state that I live in, there are no rebates to encourage me to go and purchase an electric vehicle versus getting a a petrol-powered vehicle. Hybrid, yeah, yeah. It, the simplest form is that some is that an action that's going to help change where we're at absolutely the current state of things is that not only will you not get tax offsets or any kind of uh reward for investing in an ev you'll actually get penalized at this point so each state has its own uh kickbacks for investing in electronic vehicles but at present it's kind of like yeah you'll you'll receive more of a financial penalty than you will reward and that is because of where we're at in terms of stakeholders and political donations to the Liberal Party. I mean the Liberal Party just is not in a position to be like on principle we're not going to back these anymore because that's who they're accepting the most amount of funding from. Right. So that kind of starts to explain why they keep yeah. So for those who are listening Emily, if so, say for one, I'm going to go out and purchase an electric vehicle at the end of the year, and I'm like, oh, great, like I'm doing my piece. Um, just continue living my life as it is, and we'll just go on as normal. 
Can you just give me like the top three things that you could recommend that I could change in my everyday life that would have an impact at the very grassroots level of um, our future around climate change? How you vote is the number one. Yeah, sorry to say. Um, But for anybody that wants to ostrich the next election, you don't really have... We're not kind of being afforded the right based on where the science is at to, yeah, ostrich the problem, to stick our head in the sand and to be apathetic because so much hinges on this next election if we want to change the course of how we're experiencing major weather events, which are a direct, proven, scientific reflection of climate change and are unequivocally only going to speed up. So we're going to see more of these major weather events like in Lismore, those platitudes that Liberal are giving about, you know, this is a one in 500 year event. Lismore experienced those floods twice in two weeks, you know, like it's just that doesn't placate anybody because it's totally not solution based. It's not helpful and it doesn't do anything to either stop those major weather events happening or help once they do. So how you vote, definitely starting to align with a party that puts climate change or climate action at the forefront. Doing your own research is really important and I know we've heard a lot of that throughout the pandemic because the media outlets that we tap into are heavily influenced again by who donates to them and who funds them so I think the best metric for where you get your advice from it needs to be grounded in science and you need to make sure that the person delivering that advice doesn't have their hands in someone else's back pocket so i tap into the likes of sarah wilson who hosts a great podcast called wild and she interviews a lot of thought leaders and experts and scientists and political candidates who have climate at the forefront of their focus because they're all um pretty much like not being persuaded by their own prejudices or biases so much as where is the research at and they use that to govern how they educate the world and how they move forward so Damon Gamow did this fantastic um, independent documentary called 2040 and it was a projection of if we invoke every single climate friendly renewable energy focused resource that is currently available to us not a fantastical like if this existed life could look like this it's actually actually been a proven technology and it's happening somewhere already in the world um so it's bringing together a bunch of ideas and showing us how if it's adopted into our modern day lifestyles how we can so i had to purchase that through i think apple tv but i okay. believe it's more broadly available now okay, okay. um we'll have a bit of a look so, for it and drop some notes of it in the show notes just yeah. so if you're interested you can have a bit of a look around that because that's definitely something absolutely i'll have a look at after today and i think like i'm definitely not spearheading this this discussion i i think it's best to point you in the direction of a resource yeah. of yeah. someone who is totally indebting their lives to this cause and damon gamo it's spelt G-A-M-E-A-U, his surname, and um, he basically publishes on his social media platforms every country that is doing something climate-based and doing it well and pretty much constantly debunking the myths that what would we do if we didn't have coal? Like, we need to keep, 
you know, the the mining industry going and that just simply wouldn't work. If it did work, why aren't we already doing it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I think the third is just start small. Like it's wonderful that you're thinking along the lines of EV and that's such a um, privileged position to come from when you're considering your next car purchase because there are no incentives. It is really expensive to get them here in Australia, so we're paying the highest premium for EVs right now. I think the model I'm looking at, to give you a bit of a context, they're bringing 500 Is that model of EV that I'm looking at. Okay, there you go. And I think if we just look at everyday decisions like, okay, if I'm about to use a tooth flosser, is there a more environmentally friendly version of this? The answer 10 to 1 will always be yes. And there are great websites like Nourish to Life, which house completely eco-friendly products for your everyday life in the one domain so it's broken down into like household cleaning like beauty products and they're all low tops i just don't even know where to start and like the convenience factor is so massive in australia like for me to just nip down the shops to my local supermarket and grab whatever's on the shelf when i need something like that is that you don't have a lot of those options so that's amazing nourish life i'll definitely have to start doing a few bit more of my shopping And I think accepting that the more conscious, slow, toxin-free, environmentally friendly way to exist is not the most convenient, is is not convenient, convenient. period, because convenience is how we got ourselves to this point. So we probably need to stop prioritizing what is most important. And if being environmentally friendly is a priority at all, Mm -hmm. there is so much we can do. Thankfully, because it, it is slowly coming more into vogue and we're realizing that that's inextricably linked to our climate and to making change. Those options are starting to become available in our grocery stores and in the more um, quote unquote convenient settings. But yeah, I've definitely been led by other great local businesses and um, social media platforms that are all about like staying away from fast fashion and just doing a bit locally, getting ingrained with your local community, trying to eat less meat. There are so many documentaries available on Netflix, like starting to think about what you can do, changing maybe three very small things in your life. Commit to not getting single-use coffee cups and use a keep cup. If you just did that That every day for a year that would make a major difference. Please. Learn about recycling, you know, like start a veggie Please garden. Please confirm that in my 35 kilos of luggage, I did bring my keep card that made it in. That made it in. So it's been traveling around with me because I was like, no, like I'm going away for like five to six weeks. Like that mm. is so, I drink coffee every day. Yeah. That is so many cups absolutely yeah absolutely um, what's that 42 like jesus math not my forte but let's say 42 42 coffee cups in a relatively (laughs) short trip away so yeah like the the changes start to stack up so yeah so if we can encourage you that's um, something that again Emily I really my inspiration around I was going to draw myself back and be like what would Emily do in this situation because what? you would very much lead me in that space to what is the best thing to do for the planet about caring I think but it definitely doesn't happen overnight I didn't learn to be environmentally friendly on my own I, I tapped into people that had 
done the research and basically siphoned all of their intellectual property and knowledge and a big big mention goes to slow skin co um emma a local beauty therapist in newcastle who is completely toxin and single use plastic free and that's definitely the road less traveled and a really hard thing to have achieved but she has taught me so much um and is constantly showing me that there's always a way you can do better if you hold yourself to that standard and those around you which can be hard Mm. um also during the pandemic we weren't able to make a lot of those everyday one percent of decisions like cafes stop taking keep cups they wouldn't accept containers to put your takeaway in um plastic straws were back on the agenda and Sometimes there's a fair argument too for putting the onus back on everyday Australians to make these kinds of changes Mm -hmm. or the everyday businesses that, you know, really it comes down to straws stuck up turtles' noses. We've all seen that, you know, image that went viral, but why is it up to us as individuals? Like it's about an all-in effort, yes, but again, policymaking has that powerful trickle-down effect and we're not seeing any action from the most powerful people. It shouldn't just be about us taking our keep cup, saying no to straws and single-use plastic. Like, I think it just comes back to the fact right now is that like in terms – back to that political point is I just don't even know what the top line policies are because they're just not at the forefront. It's not listed for me anywhere. Like, dot point, this is what they actually stand for. Well, they're not talking about it. They're not talking about it. So then how... even if they did, would we believe them? That's the problem because of, like, integrity having been such an issue and lying being such an issue over Liberals' uh, (sighs) three-year tenure. Like, I mean, it's just woeful. So with the Vote Compass resource, just to quickly jump back to that, the most important part about that is that it's not invested in what the politicians are promising they'll do. It's what they've done and what they're doing. So how have they previously voted? So it's it strips all the fluff and the bullshit away and is like, this is where they actually stand. This is how they vote. Yeah, okay. Amazing. Mm. Thank you so much. No worries. I really want to just take the opportunity whilst we're here to chat about friendships. Let's change the tune a little bit for the podcast and perhaps end on a bit more of a wider note. Emily and I have been friends for a really long time. We grew up together. Um, I think I'd say I taught Emily a lot of what she knows, probably not the good stuff and all the bad (laughs) stuff. Um, So... I just really want to touch on what it means to have, like, that really good, supportive circle around you and how that can change as we grow older. Yeah, sure. Of our life. What does that mean for you when I say that? In a podcast that I listened to, Darling Shine. Oh, yes. Elodie, Elodie and, Chloe. and Chloe talked about this recently, about friendships, and I completely agree with the philosophy that you have friendships for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. I think it's a pretty unfair or unrealistic expectation to have of humans that we will have the same friends or all of our friends for our entire lifetime because it kind of limits your opportunity for growth and to outgrow either toxic friendships or toxic relationships and we're so fortunate that we're falling into the lifelong category for one another because there's been so much evolution and growth and a really constant pillar of our friendship has been support no matter where we've lived or what season of life we're in like ins and outs as well like i think 
one thing that's always portrayed online is like everything's always rosy but we always there's periods of time where we probably didn't speak yeah because of what different things that we've been through but i think it's just as a true testament to people and we come back to bounce back together yeah, yeah absolutely. when the time right. was right we had to take some that time apart just to really grow as people yeah and that, actually that person that person someone I actually would really want in my life and it just happened quite yeah. naturally right so i think just it, overall that picture of who's meant to be in your life it just for me it just has to happen just naturally yeah and yeah. gravitating towards people with shared values and principles and people that actually live out their values. Like mm. I'm all about mm. altruism and just, you know, a, do you do what you say you do? You know, like that's really the biggest for me. one for me. A hundred percent. Yeah. Live by your word. Yeah. Um, live by my word and die on my sword yeah. is how I would describe <laughs> me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think having the ability to apologize and to say sorry, own up when you make a mistake, all of those things I value really highly in friendship. And I think motherhood does really change the trajectory of a lot of friendships because it is all about showing up. So if you've kind of got a friendship that hinges purely on like platitudes or like, let me know if you need something, but you get that gut instinct that you probably wouldn't reach out to that person Mm. or instead Mm. of saying those things, just having them show up and help. um, That is, I think, yeah more valuable when you're in this in this season of your life anyway so i've seen um how my friendships have grown and changed over the years as my close friends have come to have children and just the quality over quantity aspect of that absolutely near my closest friends that i grew up with for i think it's like five years but how it's just like you come back together it's just that quality just being there for one another i think so important one thing i was speaking to a friend of ours uh, about the other day was one thing that i will never forget was um, a period of time when i was not having a really great time i was struggling with my mental health a lot um and i think not a lot of people really knew what i was going through because i i very much um, isolated myself kept it quite insular and didn't know how to share with people and we'd had a catch up at a cafe here locally in, in newcastle a group of us and I think you were sitting directly opposite me. You might have been pregnant with Flo at the time. And you were just like, oh, how are you going, darling? Like, what's been happening? And I honestly just started crying. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, but yeah, you just I do. reached we're out across rooms. the table yeah. and yeah. held my hand. And, like, that's all I just needed at that time. And you just knew exactly – it was just something about you that made me comfortable in that public space to just sit there and be like, I'm not okay right now. But yeah. you just – knew sitting opposite me that I probably wasn't right yeah um and that's such an um indication in someone who really just reads someone it's not just like a passing fleeting thing is that when you sit down opposite someone and truly look at them and go I think I can just intrinsically tell that there's not something there's something not not right yeah that is something that I will never forget from you and I've told that story a couple of times um to That's people really about beautiful. I'm glad what, I could do that for you. Yeah, is is really important to me is that you could just read me like that and just hold space for me, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, well it's all probably a reflection of the fact that that's what people have done for me and I mean you are the people that you spend the most time around and who you welcome into your your circle, your space and everyone has always held space for me I've really been able to always lean on my support network there's not a shred of um, superficiality and I can be straight talking with everybody and at the same time I think we all know each other well enough that 
we can read each other's body language Mm. and we don't need to wait for verbal Mm. cues but Mm. definitely I feel like your friendships do consolidate over the years and sadly time is a huge factor in that it's this precious resource that we all find that we have less of and that is also finite and when you're just breaking the weeks down you're like it might be you know even with someone that lives around the corner it might be a month before I see them so finding ways to not rely on face-to-face visits to get what you need from that friendship and vice versa is important and I think the pandemic highlighted that too so yeah 100% one thing I also loved was I just came in here the other night and um, your little daughter Florence just came running towards me and I've only held Florence once because I've not lived here since she's been born yeah and took me straight into her room sat me down got a book out and just treated me like the long-lost auntie that she knows I'm really someone in her life like that just I was like oh see you just get it flow like quality oh, over quantity my darling yeah like I just love that like, I, right. I'll tell that story now for so long oh, like she's so beautiful I spent like all of 15 minutes with her but just like that yeah meant so much to me she was so bloody yeah, cute that's right well kids are all energy right before they can talk they pick up on energy and yeah. you've got a got a good vibe oh Florence <laughs> she's all about the good vibes well thank you so much Em for joining me on the podcast today it's something we've been speaking about for a little while and thanks yeah. so much for giving me the time and getting me back in the groove hopefully i'll get a good roll on from here but um if it's another eight weeks before you hear from me again (laughs) sorry about that thank you so much and um have a lovely day whatever you you might be doing bye yeah 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 you know two percent male dominated industries like the council workers (laughs) Uh, sorry sorry females can be council workers as well absolutely like Standing out in that heat and that rain was going to be like the worst thing. But (laughs) honest to God, like I can't like put up enough infrastructure in the country. I saw... um, But that was his initial response. response. $150 million for (laughs) some road upgrades, please, to confirm. Um, I saw a picture this morning when I woke up um, over in Perth. The Joondalup Hospital is like the hospital of the north. Um, Joondalup's about 30 minutes to the next closest hospital on a good run. And the ED wait for an adult was eight hours. And like the urban sprawl of Perth now, it's getting, you're spreading so much out. Like the housing now is like an hour um, north of of Perth. So there needs to be constantly, you know, health infrastructure upgrades. An eight hour wait in ED. And I know down south of Perth, um, honestly, in the last seven days, uh, a 70 year old died whilst waiting in an ambulance to be triaged into the emergency department because there wasn't enough healthcare workers, um, in that particular hospital in Bustleton. Yeah. So like, it's fine. We'll just, um, fix the roads and that will solve everyone's problems in keeping us healthy and alive in Australia. Like no dramas, Mr. Prime Minister, respect your word. Yeah. Not. It's so, so scary. Unbelievable.